Welcome to Brush Up. Brush Up, your refresher on iconic historical events, fun facts, and much more. I'm Roberto. I'm Judy. I'm from Quito, Ecuador. And I'm an American from France. We're both history enthusiasts. And today, we've whipped up some of our favorite facts about India's independence. Here is your Brush Up. Today's episode will cover three main parts. First, we'll discuss when the British got to India. Then, we will discuss the rise of India's independence movement. And we'll finish by discussing the partition of India. So, to start off, let's go back to get some context. Between the 16th and 18th century, much of modern-day India, Pakistan and Bangladesh were part of the Mughal Empire. The Mughal Empire was very strong and culturally significant in the region at the time and began trading with some European nations. A fun fact is that the Taj Mahal was built in the 17th century at the request of the Mughal Emperor, who wanted to build a tomb for his favorite wife, Mumtaz Mahal. Around the same time in the early 17th century, the British East India Company, which was a private company, was founded to trade with Far Eastern territories. The British were at the time in conflict with many other European nations trading in the area like the Spanish, the Portuguese, the Dutch, and the French, who wanted access to all the goods that could be found like spices and different minerals. But the British were not dumb. In 1615, the British monarch James I successfully requested from the Mughal Emperor that the company have exclusive rights to trading and factories with them. And in exchange, the British will send European goods their way. This guarantee, the British an upper hand compared to the European competitors at the time. One interesting fact about the British East India Company is that it was one of the first joint stock companies. What that means is just that a group of unrelated investors came together to buy stocks. And this concept revolutionized the world's economy and is still used today. So you can thank them for all those gains in the stock market. And blame them for your losses. Okay, so the British were based out of the city of Bengal in eastern India and throughout the years extended their reach and control over the Indian region. Over time, internal religious and social conflicts weakened the Mughal Empire and by 1739, Mughal rule was reduced to only a small part around Delhi. So the British still wanted to maintain good relationships with other local Indian rulers and they did that by helping them defeat their rivals by sending British technologies their way. Not the type of technology that you might be thinking, probably just some stone hammers. Therefore, the local Indian rulers were kind of split on their acceptance of Britain's involvement in the region at the time. As a matter of fact, in 1765, the Treaty of Allahabad granted the British East India Company the right to run the finances of Bengal. Which was a huge territory in the region. And funny enough, the British East India Company grew more powerful and in order to control the region, actually established its own army. It's crazy, by 1857, their army was comparable to the British one, with as many as 267,000 soldiers. And even more interesting is that those who were recruited were actually locals. And these recruits, who were called sepoy soldiers, were actually instrumental in the beginning of the independence movement, believe it or not. In fact, by the mid-19th century, a lot of them were fed up with the British, and they led the sepoy rebellion of 1857. Several factors led to this uprising. For example, first, sepoy soldiers will always be outranked by British officers. And in addition, the company was imposing taxes on Indians, which they oppose. And the last straw was that many of these soldiers who were Muslim and Hindu felt that the British were trying to impose their Christianity on them. There was a new rifle that was introduced by the British that forced these sepoy soldiers to bite the cartridges in order to load the rifles. The problem is that the cartridges were greased with beef and pork fat. And in fact, they were not allowed to eat these meats, considering that cows are holy to Hindus and pork is impure to Muslims. 
All this led to the Sepoy Rebellion, that is considered to be the beginning of the Indian independence movement. Eventually, many local leaders joined the rebellion. So because of this whole outbreak, the British monarchy ended up taking control of the region instead of the British East India Company through the Government of India Act in August 1858. And this led to the beginning of the famously known British Raj. Which means rain in Hindi. India thus officially became a British colony. The territory was divided into 13 provinces controlled by the British administrative officers, as well as many other smaller territories known as native states that were governed by local Indian rulers. The British Parliament would basically appoint the colony's governing body in Britain that would decide on local policies and then on the ground, the British appointed viceroy and other lieutenants and local Indian leaders would administer the territory. If you were wondering, the British East India Company actually ceased to exist by 1873. So under this new setup, the British and the Indians benefited from the British presence in India. For example, the British helped develop a complex road system in the country, which was actually the fourth largest in the world at the time. And they also helped to establish new schools and hospitals, which vastly improved the education and health outcomes in the country. But there were obviously downsides for the Indian people. They did not have full sovereignty and had to follow policies and laws that they did not decide on. For example, during the Industrial Revolution, the British passed laws forcing Indians to produce goods that would be helpful to British factories instead of crops. The Great Indian Famine between 1876 to 1878 is said to have been worsened by the British and led to the death of 6 to 10 million people just because of this unfair treatment. So, snowballing off the Sepoy Rebellion, a nationalist movement calling for India's independence started to grow. In 1885, the Indian National Congress, which we will refer to as the INC, was founded. They promoted Indian self-governance, which is also known as home rule, and called Swaraj in Hindi. But the British wouldn't let up easily, since India was an essential military, economic, and a strategic colony for them, often referred to as the jewel in the crown. Now, let's dive into the rise of India's independence movement. Shortly after the INC was founded, other organizations were formed to fight for independence. Sayed Ahmed Khan, an Islamist reformist founded the All India Muhammadan Educational Conference to provide education to all Muslims. 20 years later, in 1806, the All India Muslim League political party was born as an offshoot advocating for Muslim rights when some considered the INC to be too Hindu dominant. By the early 20th century, the INC itself was divided, which the British used as a way to slow down revolutionary ideas. For example, in 1905, they divided the region of Bengal with Muslims in the east and Hindus in the west. The British claimed that it was going to be easier to administer that way, but many revolutionaries felt that they were using a divide-and-conquer approach. As a result, this partition led to the protests and boycotts of British goods. Eventually, the partition was annulled in 1911. During World War I, around 1.3 million Indian workers and soldiers aided the British, and many Indians felt that this should play an important role in granting them their independence. And as we clearly know, it didn't happen. Don't take anything for granted, folks. It was also during the war in 1915 that Mohandas Gandhi came back to India after having lived in South Africa for almost 20 years. But who was Gandhi? You may know Mohandas Gandhi as Mahatma Gandhi. This was a name he was given later in life for his role in India's independence movement. Mahatma literally means great souled and it's used to describe someone who is owed a lot of respect. You should call me Mahatma, Judy. In your dreams. 
Anyways, in 1888, Gandhi left to London to study law. When he finished, he returned to India shortly, but eventually accepted a position with a shipping firm in South Africa, where he moved with his family. Note that at the time, South Africa was also part of the British Empire and was under apartheid law. To learn more about this, go check out our episode about it. When he was in South Africa, Gandhi experienced discrimination firsthand, so he was involved in the foundation of the Indian National Congress in South Africa that fought against the apartheid by using peaceful non-cooperation. After gaining recognition for his techniques in South Africa, Gandhi returned to India in 1915, equipped with techniques that will help him bolster the independence movement. In 1919, the British Parliament passed the Rollout Acts, which gave local authorities emergency power to repress any disruptive activities. In response to that, Gandhi actually led a peaceful resistance, but unfortunately the British soldiers fired at the protesters and killed 400 people. This event lit a spark in the independence movement, and the next year Gandhi became the leader of the INC. At a later protest in February 1922, the British police again used force and fired at some of the protesters who also lashed out at the police. Following this, many were arrested, including some leaders of the INC, like Nehru, who we'll talk about later. It's also shortly after this event that Gandhi was first arrested for sedition, which basically means behavior or speech that is inciting people to rebel against the authorities. Thankfully, he was released only after two years of the six he was supposed to serve because he had appendicitis. So at this point, Gandhi declared that he was stopping the non-cooperation movement because of the violence. Gandhi followed a couple of important tenets. He led peaceful non-cooperation movements, which means that he encouraged people to break laws that were unjust. He used the term satyagraha to describe this passive political resistance. In Hindi, satyagraha means holding on to truth. Gandhi also spread the concept of swadeshi, which encourages Indians to consume Indian goods, and khadi, which means handmade cloths. He really believed that Indians could make their own clothes instead of purchasing what the British sold. And as many of you may know, he also used other peaceful protest methods, like hunger strikes and marches. Other nationalists were not so peaceful. Many actually started to obtain weapons and make their own bombs or even undergo militia training abroad. By 1924, the Hindustan Republican Association, the HRA, was formed with the intent of spreading chaos and actually using force to gain their independence. Some nationalists actually quit the INC to start the Indian National Army, which was built with the help of Japan. In October 1929, the Viceroy of India, Lord Irwin, mentioned the possibility of India gaining a dominion status like others at the time. Like South Africa, Canada, New Zealand, etc. A dominion status meant autonomous communities within the British Empire, equal in status and freely associated as a member of the British Commonwealth of Nations. At the same time, he also announced that roundtable conferences were going to take place in London between the India independence leaders and the British government. However, the INC wanted more. They wanted complete independence. So on January 26, 1930, the INC declared Purna Swaraj which means the Declaration of the Independence of India. Thus, they encouraged Indians to keep fighting for independence, although the British did not recognize this. This led into one of Gandhi's most famous protests, the Salt March. This was an act of protest and civil disobedience against the Salt Act of 1882 that prohibited Indians from collecting or selling salt at the risk of great punishment. The march began on March 12, 1930, covered 240 miles and lasted 25 days. When they finally got to the coast, thousands of Indians illegally collected salt. 
What I found really interesting is that actually 10 days before the march, Gandhi sent a letter to the Viceroy of India at the time, Lord Irwin, telling him that he was about to break the SALT Act. Proving how resilient he was. After the SALT March, more Indians were encouraged to break the SALT Act throughout the country, and as a result, the British imprisoned 60,000 people, including Gandhi, for the second time, with the hope that this would kind of slow down the independence movement. Let's not forget, this was only because they collected some salt. Let's end this episode with the partition of India. So at this point, the British were starting to understand that they were up against a huge movement that they had to somehow appease. In March 1931, Gandhi and Lord Irwin signed the Gandhi-Irwin Pact that put an end to the salt march but lifted the tax on salt. Although Gandhi did not feel this was sufficient, he also managed to free tens of thousands of political prisoners through this pact. Following that, Gandhi actually attended the second roundtable conference that we mentioned before, but the discussions were not very fruitful. At this point, there were actually mounting internal tensions in India. Members of the Muslim League were frustrated with the lack of impact of Gandhi's methods, and they had started to propose the idea of two-nation theory in India, which is basically dividing the country along religious lines. Actually, the leader of the Muslim League advocating for this division was Muhammad Ali Jinnah. And so basically the British used this religious division as a reason not to grant India's independence. In the following years, Gandhi was arrested again. Twice. And actually he was arrested a total of seven times during India's independence movement. When in jail, he used hunger strikes to protest. He protested and led these hunger strikes in defense of the untouchables and to promote unity. India at the time also had a caste system which added tensions to the religious divisions. The poorest class was referred to as the untouchables, but Gandhi renamed them Harijans, which means children of God, to try and unite the country towards this independence movement. Upon his release, by 1934, Gandhi actually left the INC temporarily in the hopes that it would help the organization gain political traction. Then, a couple of years later, World War II broke out, and Gandhi and the independence movement stated their opposition to the involvement of Indians in the war. He therefore called for more civil disobedience and actually started a new movement called the Quit India Movement in 1942. He was basically protesting and demanding an orderly British withdrawal from India. Due to the outbreaks of violence during this protest, tens of thousands of Indians were arrested once again, including Gandhi, who was again accused of inciting protest. In jail, he started another fast that lasted 21 days this time before being released in 1944 due to poor health conditions. Keep in mind, he was 75 at this point. After the war, the Labour Party came into power in the British Parliament and quickly began negotiations for India's independence. Because of the cost of World War II, there was no more economic incentive for them to hold on to this colony. So, the British Viceroy of India, Lord Mountbatten, organized a vote between different religious representatives who voted to partition the country. India ended up being partitioned in two in 1947 through the Indian Independence Act. India was meant for Hindus and Sikhs, and Pakistan was meant for Muslims. So interesting to note is that this act made two new independent dominions of the British Empire. It was not until January 26, 1950, that India put in place its own constitution and lost its dominion status. And even more interesting is that the Independence Act came into effect on August 15, a date celebrated as India's independence. Weirdly enough, August 15 is also a common day for independence. Five other countries became independent on that day. North Korea, South Korea, the Republic of Congo, Bahrain, and Liechtenstein. 
and Liechtenstein and Liechtenstein. Oh, finally. <laughs> it is estimated that 14 million people were displaced due to the partition. And as a result, there was a lot of violence and riots. Gandhi himself was strongly opposed to the partition, but he tried to bring both sides together. On January 12th, 1948, he actually began what would be his last fast to try and bring about peace. Unfortunately, his desires for unity brought him to his death. In January 30, 1948, Gandhi was assassinated when headed to a prayer meeting. It was a Hindu nationalist who carried out this act because he was upset at Gandhi's efforts to work with the Muslims. Gandhi died highly respected, and his birthday, which is on October 2nd, is still a national holiday in India, and it is also recognized as the International Day of Nonviolence. Jawaharlal Nehru, who had worked alongside Gandhi, took over as the leader of the INC. Nehru was actually India's first prime minister from 1947 until his death in 1964. Over time, the INC has remained as an important political party in India. All of this contributed to make India the world's largest democracy, with significant civil liberties and an independent judiciary, as well as a formally free press. On the other side, Pakistan was led by Mohammad Ali Jinnah, who had been the leader of the All India Muslim League. He was the first governor general of Pakistan. And the territory of Bangladesh was part of Pakistan until gaining its own independence in 1971. All of this to say, that the Indian non-cooperation movement inspired others like Martin Luther King Jr. only decades later in the 50s and 60s in the United States. So, to sum up our brush up, after a rebellion of Indian soldiers working under the British East India Company broke out, the British monarchy took control of the territory and the India independence movement became organized with the creation of the Indian National Congress. Gandhi was a nationalist leader who led a non-cooperation movement to negotiate India's independence with the British. Because he led many protests, including his famous Salt March, Gandhi was imprisoned repeatedly, but with time, grew the independence movement significantly. With internal religious tensions growing and the toll of World War II, the British were eventually worn down and agreed to India's independence, partitioning the country along religious lines, founding Pakistan for Muslims and India for Hindus and Sikhs. That's all that we got for today. We hope you enjoyed this history brush up. We started this podcast to make history more fun and accessible. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and giving us a positive rating. We'll catch you in the next episode. In the meantime, share your new knowledge with some friends or even better, share this podcast with them. Thanks for all the support.